Very good evening and welcome to episode 12 of the Greater Western Queensland Racing News Podcast. Plenty to get through tonight. Andrew Watts with you here this evening and joined as always by Max Tanks. Good evening. Yes, uh, good evening. Uh, kick us off this week, a forward for introductions. Um, I want you to imagine that you're in a group one race and yes. you've just kicked ahead and you're, you're six lengths ahead, eased down as you're going over the post. Yep. You're not supposed to salute, but I, I know that certainly in that situation, a lot of people would. What's, what would you be your Me? go-to? Yeah, we'll start with you, Andrew. You, what would be your go-to salute in that instance? I'd do the shuckers, baby. Would you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, just a dream for us being, being probably able to salute on a horse we're going across the line. But Brooke, you, you've probably had the opportunity to salute before. What would be your go-to salute? Honestly, um, at the moment, I'm pretty broke, so I wouldn't be saluting if I wouldn't want to buy, and I'd be holding on to all the money. My favourite salute, <laughs> Gabe Brooks, sorry. Yeah, I don't, I've saluted once, like after the post. I must say I'm a bit of an overthinker, and I, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to salute if I went on this. And then I chicken out, and I do it after the line, just a little fist pump. <laughs> My favourite salute of all time is Brent McGregor. At the Carinia picnics in the Centenary Cup, he stood up in the irons at the 100, nearly slipped. <laughs> but he continued to stand up. First rider ever to get a fine at the picnics, $200. <laughs> oh, bang, bang. Uh, He's think, always in trouble, that fellow. Yeah, he is trouble. <laughs> I think I'd almost have to try and pull out the bear like um, Brent and Abdullah did on um, yes. La Squatty Spirit. Yep. Um, because it's, let's face it, if, I, if I'm riding in a group one, there's something gone seriously wrong. With well, you and I might, there may be a change in weight conditions or something. It'd be definitely be the toppy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> have, they, have they got heavyweight group ones around? <laughs> Jumbos. Oh, racing uh, around the West this weekend. Went to Charleville, the Central Warrego Race Club. Had their new market day. It was also the curtain was drawn on the track as we know it. And I'll go to you first, Brooke. Um, look, there's always been a lot of talk about the Charleville track. Um, what is it about the track? I mean, the margins are always so big. Is it the surface? Is it the camber? I mean, what is it? Put a finger on it, to be honest. I think every time I ride there, I'm riding on a different track. I, it's very rarely ever the same. You know, each each time it races there, the best going's in a different spot. You just can't pick it. So... I don't know what it is. It doesn't race like it used to when I very first started riding um, and started my apprenticeship. It used to be one of my favourite tracks, and they did resurface it at some stage um, and put a lot of new sand on top of it. And it, and once that sort of happened is is when it started to race the way it has been. And, Maxie, uh, the perfect, you know example of it is the margins there on Saturday. Um, you just go back to the cap catchers. Um, over the three races, 15 and a quarter, 30, uh, 18, 46, <laughs> and 13. Like that, But it's not just that. I mean, midfield in race four was beaten 18.9. Like Just huge margins. It, uh, man, it can't do well for a horse's confidence either. I mean, no. like if you're, if you're, you know, trying your guts out and you're getting beaten 20 lengths, like it's... Um, I suppose you can't see that far ahead, can you? Like, no. you know, <laughs> uh, like they say in the dogs, you can't see the lure. But I was talking to Mark Johnson today, and he does a bit of grading work on the track, and he's really hopeful that the money's well spent and um, they can get it 
back to somewhere near it needs to be because it has been degrading for some time. Let's get away from that onto the racing action, though, and High Cost was winner of the new market, $7,800 to Jono, and he made a post on Facebook, uh, probably the only horse in history that won his 100th start twice after being disqualified <laughs> at Quilby. <laughs> It's um he's he's certainly been a money spinner since he's entered the stable um for Jono I think this is his um his third third legal win now um obviously crossed the post first in the Quilpie New Market as well but how about the runner Zillator in that race as well it was absolutely flying home making up a lot of ground to um get within a half a length of um high cost and. I actually think that means Zillator qualifies for the Battle of the Bush, doesn't it? Because high cost is ineligible. Yeah, it's probably what we'll talk about a little later on. Uh, Benny Moffat, uh, road high cost. Um, what do you know about Ben, uh, Brookie? Oh, I have rode with uh, Ben uh, some years ago, I believe, in the Provincial and Metropolitan. But, um, yeah, he sort of went off the scene there for a while. I came out bush, so I wasn't sure where he was based, actually, till he popped up at... Uh, Roma, and then he had a really bad day at Roma. I said, you won't be coming back here, and then he popped up at Blackhall, so it couldn't have been too bad. Um, but he's doing well. Yeah, I, I do know he can't ride anything under 59 at the, mo- at the moment. You know, he struggles with his weight. He's a tall fella, but he's definitely a really... Uh, Really underrated rider, I think. Yeah, he returned Maxi in Toowoomba back in October of 2020. Prior to that, he was riding for the likes of David Pfeiffer and Bjorn Baker in Sydney back in 2012. Yeah, I had a chat to him after he won on um, one of Shane Iverson's horses. Sorry, no, um, Ross Meek's horses at at Blackall. He's um, really well spoken, said he's, he's keen to try and get back out this way. Obviously, um, has the saddle willing to travel if he can get the ride. So, um Certainly don't turn away any jockeys in the bush. We are, we need as many as we can get. Race one on the card was won by no treble. Took the cutest money for Carmel Baker and Ross Tilly. It was a demolition job. Nine and a half lengths over Gecko for Beck Kerwin and Dan McGilvray and Verve for Andrew King and Olivia Webb wound up in third. There's no stopping uh, Ross Tilly, Brooke. Yeah, he's still rolling. Um, he'll be in the good books too. One for the wife. So happy wife, happy wife. <laughs> Race two was won by Mashani Astana. It's come out of some much tougher races in the past couple of runs. Down to a benchmark 60 over the mile, which it likes. Uh, for Patrick O'Toole, great to see it back in the winner's circle. Chip Collis for the winning rider. Seven and three quarter lengths over Master of the Turf, and it's okay, but it was all Mashani Astana, Max. Yeah, it was. Um, she really kicked away. It was a, it was a much improved run in the Tree of Knowledge Cup, um, and it looks like she's she may have sort of come back a better horse's preparation. I know that uh, if they reproduce some of that Southeast Queensland form, that she's um, certainly going to be competitive. Uh, but yeah, as I said, it was an absolute demolition job with the lightweight. Race three was won in impressive fashion by Difficult, uh, drawn down low, which is always a benefit over the 800 metres. Trained by Wayne Baker and uh, the highweight champion jockey Paul Hamblin was in the saddle. Four and a quarter lengths over Old Town Road for Raymond Fraser and Anna Bakos. And uh, Coop DeVille winding up in third, but uh, Difficult. Wayne Baker, uh, he might have another smart one in his stable here, Brooke. Yeah, he possibly could. He always seems to have one that's firing and, and doing well. He he gets him from anywhere, I think, Wayno, but um he gets the winners and yeah, it possibly could be um a horse that's gonna continue to do well for him. And race four, talking about a horse with some upside, Nick the Skip since joining Shane Iverson's gone bang, bang, 
bang. One by eight lengths uh, with Anna Bakos in the saddle over Burden and Rotherby. Rotherby, 15 and a quarter lengths back in third. It was it was right on the lure, Nick, the skip, running time. And uh, pretty impressive. And uh, looks like it might have a future, Maxie. I remember seeing this horse, oh, I suppose, backing it a few times when it was still going around at the Edmund Stable um, in southeast Queensland. And it always sort of looked as one of those horses that you think, oh, you know, he, he might be one that would excel out here in the, in the bush because he's always that on-pace kind of horse. And um, I remember seeing it pop up on, on the auction and didn't actually see where it went at the time. It didn't follow up on it. And obviously this is where it's ended up and just keeps going from um, from strength to strength. And Anna Bacos has certainly got a great affiliation with it also. Four runs back, beaten five lengths, Esca, ex-styled girl who's now in a battle of the bush after winning at Jindawi on the weekend. So uh, good form, certainly one to follow um, in the coming weeks, Maxie, anything uh, that we need to follow from Charleville? Uh, definitely Zillator. I, I think I said it when he, um, when she ran that huge race at Longridge um, a couple of weeks ago as well, but this mare's definitely come back in good form. Hewenden was the <laughs> venue for racing in the northwest. And talking to stewards, uh, Mr Lane and uh, Ray Smith last week, they said the track was in outstanding order uh, for this meeting. And it started off with Team Ballard getting a victory in the shape of Dukes County, uh, Denise and Dan combined there with a half-length win over American Genius and Strike Points. Zenday finished in fourth, Maxi, and I'm pretty keen that this will be a form race. I think it will as well. I mean, we've seen American Genius obviously get that win at Bar Calden um, two starts ago on their tab day. Dukes County looks like it's a horse of a bit of upside. Another one of those ones has entered a stable and it's gone bang, bang, bang. Um, three wins now for the Ballard team and... Strike point, I know we spoke about it as a horse on the way up, and Zenday is actually racing, you know, consistently this year um, without winning. So um, I agree, it's going to be a, a race with a bit of form to come out of. Race two was the maiden over the 1,200. Uh, Devil's number for Sean Royce and Wanderson Devilla got the cash, a length and a half over War Review and New York Power to pair for Tanya Parry in second and third, respectively. But great to see up there in Hewenden Brook um, the club value-adding around $1,000 per race. Uh, it's great when clubs get on board and um, repay the participants. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. You know, um, everyone's helping each other out and and um, it definitely makes it that little bit more exciting going to the races, I think, for everyone involved, for the trainers and for the jockeys and good on the club for um, being able to pull together and, and put that up for everyone. It's a, Yeah, it's pretty good. be nice to see some more of it around the bush and see us all looking after each other. Race three, the cutest money went off with Hammertone for John Barr and Scotty Sheargold. Uh, 0.3 of a length over seven-year award and Craigley Altona first up nice run there for Tanya Parry and Dan Ballard. But Hammertone... Um, went off 4.40 in the market, Maxi, and uh, yeah, it was a good win. Ran good time, new track record, um, 45 and 4. Seven-year reward is really working home on that occasion as well to 66 kilos. I mean, it carried the huge weight and Rick almost um, was able to get that momentum going through. But I think this might be another form race where we can follow there with the likes of Craigley Altona coming back for his preparation and obviously Hammertone running the huge race with the track record. Zagatova made it back-to-back for Jay Morris and Rick McMahon winning the benchmark 50 over the 1,400 metres. Won by a good three lengths over Metallica for Troy Clive and Frankie Edwards and Nitro City, the ever-consistent gallop of Sean Royce and Wanderson de Villa into third. But uh, Jay Morris and Rick McMahon combining and uh, Brooke, Jay's always got a couple of good ones in his stable and he's got a fantastic strike rate. 
Yeah, he does. I, I think he's a very knowledgeable trainer and he's got a good partner there in his stables. Um, Tamara, I had a bit to do with his wife, Tamara, when she worked for Tony Gollan. I think they make a fantastic team and teamwork makes a dream work and they're definitely proving that. And Rick McMahon, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a metropolitan class rider and um, he's absolutely killing it out here in the bush and he's made the right connections. So, yeah, definitely a great effort. Righto, Maxie, I've saved the best to last. <laughs> <laughs> the Hilden Spa Supermarket Outback Racing Showcase heat over the 1,400 metres was won by Argento Perlo, a well-timed run by Matty Gray, uh, won impressively over Spanish Hurricane, who's uh, ready to step up to a bit longer now by the look of it for Jay Morris and Rick McMahon. And I want to be a Jeep for Boy Foster and Jason Babarovich in third. But it was all Argento Perlo, uh, and she's going to be right in this final at McKinley in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, she had the benefit of obviously winning over the 1,400 at McKinley um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago as well. Um, you know, I thought this was a pretty good effort by her. She stepped away slowly, um, was able to round up the field uh, going around the bend and then was still able to kick away plenty in the tank. So it's good to see her bounce back with a win there. Um, and I know Brooke said after the race at Barcaulden there, she said that she'd be good getting back to that 1,400 again and... Uh, it looks like you're a pretty good judge there, Brooke. And things didn't really go <laughs> right at Barky either, Brooke, did they? No. Like, what's with me and bad luck? <laughs> <laughs> I was only talking to Oatsy about this um, a couple of days ago, to be honest. Yeah, look, I got off her and I, saw, I sort of said to Mark, I said, I feel, you know, she was very hyped up before the race there um, at Barky and, and she just raced, she raced a little bit keenly and we had a bit of an incident. We I thought someone had crossed us, but... Uh, yeah, a couple of horses, they didn't come across. They sat wide, and I don't think anyone really wanted to lead. I would have been better off in behind the pace, would have suited her much better. But, um, you know, she still set a nice tempo. She just couldn't finish off. We just thought she was a bit fresh and needed the 14. And, well, there you go. She found the 14, and she found the line. So <laughs> Yeah, 51 starts now for 11 wins and 19 minor placings. Tick over 107,000 in the bank. Uh, you know, she's been a good horse over the past four seasons and a few more left in the tank, Maxie. I'd like to think so. Um, it's just good to have a horse that, you know, you're always going to see put in. So uh, fingers crossed uh, in for a big preparation and be really nice to take out that McKinley Cup win. Tonight's hot topic. Oh, sorry, we're going to go top, top five. Top five, sorry. First. Yeah, top five. Uh, sticking away from the racing again just for another week uh, until we get the memory bank going and try and find a... Another top five topic uh, to talk with to racing related. But this week I thought we'll go top five sportsmen. And I can see you've got a little barrier up there hiding your top five list, Andrew. So. <laughs> I actually do. <laughs> Far away. <laughs> okay. Uh, number five, um, Shane Warne. He was marvel. Um, we used to love watching him play. He probably would have been a bit higher, but he's commentating... He's, he's really shit out, so he's dropped a couple of pegs <laughs> down there. But uh, look, you know, him and Glenn McGrath had this amazing relationship and, and, and Warney was great. David Beckham, I got in fourth. Yep. I thought he was such a, a dominant figure in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. And he took football to new places. You know, he was such a big star in, in the EPL and then he went to the um, Major League Soccer and stuff like that. Tiger Woods. Love him or hate him, but he was—he raced to all those major wins before hitting um, a few humps in his personal life. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, watch the documentary about um, Tiger Woods because the first one's great. It's about his um, his life as a golfer and this really seedy dark side in this episode two. It's fantastic to see both sides. MJ, Michael... Is it jo- bad? I was waiting for something, dude, to be honest. <laughs> well, read between... <laughs> I thought he was going to say something about David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Jordan, you know, we all know the MJ story. He was a freak. And number one is Kelly Slater. The famous surfer. Um, apart from having a very impressive rig, he he's been doing it for so long. He's in his forties now. He's still at the top of his game. Yeah, you know he's an incredible athlete, underrated, and he's my top sports star. There you go. Fire away, Brooke. I don't know if I came up with five because if I'm going to be brutally honest, I I'm um I don't watch that many sports. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? No. But um, I'd have to say Jonathan Thurston. Yep. I think he's fantastic. Obviously, we know his footy career was outstanding, but he's gone on um, since finishing footy, starting his own academy um, and working with youth and um, small communities, even bigger um, cities and stuff. So his program pretty much is uh, training programs and there's one that is just for women as well, so young girls. Um, to give them the life skills to get them into the workplace and encourage, um, obviously, holding a job, maintaining a job and and how to do it well sort of thing. Um, So I think that's fantastic that he's doing something now that, you know, for young people, now that he's finished playing footy. Um, I remember growing up and watching Lane Beachley. I think it's just awesome. Um, And I had... Jamie Carr, yes. because I think that being a woman in racing, and I think anyone that's starting out their apprenticeship or anything like that, she's someone to look up to and that you could learn a lot from. Um, and that's pretty much all I had for tonight. I just want to add on to Jamie Carr as well. I was talking to Letsy, I interviewed him a few weeks ago, and just the way she's done it, I mean, putting, dipping your toe in the water into Melbourne and doing the hard yards and to get where she's got now is just such a phenomenal feat. Incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Fun fact. The hard work's paid off because she wasn't someone you've seen. um, You know how sometimes you see apprentices, they step on the scene and they hit the scene with a bang and then that's sort of it? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think she's worked her way up to where she is now to be a successful female and a senior at that. So She deserves all the accolades she gets. Yeah, 100%. Fun fact, after Wednesday at the Bull, we um, were looking for somewhere to have dinner and realised the time was about 5 o'clock and most other places weren't opening until 6 o'clock, so we just went and got a burrito from Zambiro's instead. The place we were going to go to, walked past there at 6 o'clock, who's sitting in the front window having dinner together, Jamie Carr and Clayton Douglas. <laughs> if we are a little bit patient, we could have ducked over and had dinner with them. But <laughs> you wouldn't have been patient, though. You'd have been dying for feed after a million beers. <laughs> trying to get to the whales. <laughs> Um, my top five sports uh, people are uh, all Cameron Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, um, one that you might actually be a bit surprised about, Lauren Jackson. Ooh. So I remember when I was, uh, I was sort of like growing up, there was always, um, dad was always a big fan of basketball and he always watched it. And there was always the talk about the Lauren Jackson because that's when there wasn't many Australians in the NBA. Yeah. Um, so Lauren Jackson was huge and um, just watching the news this week and talking about how she's actually just been inducted into the Women's National Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm. Um, she got an OAM this year as well. Just, yeah. And, and you, and you realise just how, you know, at 
top level she was at mm. her sport, especially at the time when Australian basketball had absolutely nothing. Um, number four, I've gone Andrew Johns. Yep. Um, obviously, his resume speaks for itself, the eight for mortal. Uh, number three, Michael Jordan, um, for all the men- reasons Andrew's mentioned and just obviously that championship mentality. Number two, Ricky Ponting. I remember growing up and just idolizing yeah. Ricky Ponting. You know, everything had to be Kahuna because that's what Ricky Ponting had. Yep. You, you got into dogs because that's what Ricky did. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time he had a book that came out, yeah. just ordered it straight away yep. because it was just, yeah. Same with this bloke too, number one. <laughs> Certainly ordered his book straight away. Number one, Cameron Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and look, he he even from a New South Wales point of view, just incredible footballer. Oh, absolutely. Incredible. I mean, reputation speaks for itself just in terms of longevity. Um, I suppose his um, competitiveness, gamesmanship, the will to win. Mm. Talking point for this week, speaking of wills to win, um, high cost. Won the Battle of the Bush on the weekend. Um Obviously, I know we had this last year with, well, two years ago now with one of Benny Williams' runners as well. who wasn't able to qualify for the race because it had won a Metro race. But I suppose the question is, should these horses be allowed to race in these heats if they can't qualify or they aren't eligible for a final? I mean, if you've got some of these horses in these races, it, it can be affecting everyone else's chances of qualifying as well. It's bizarre, isn't it? Because... You can't race in the in the heat unless you've had five country runs. But then what's the point of that if you're not eligible for the final? I mean, just either do it like they do in the country cups where it's a free-for-all, everybody can race, and then the highest qualified runner goes through, or you've got to be strict on the qualifying conditions. I mean, as you said, it's pointless high cost going around in that race. Now, there was other people um, that had purchased a horse for the Charleville Newmarket as a target race, but then were unable to race in that race because they hadn't met the five race criteria. But yet the winner of the race isn't eligible for the final. So it's kind of a very contradictory rule. I don't don't know if the thought's completely gone into this, but it's not right. I don't think... What are your thoughts, Brooke? I mean, like, it's... I I know it sounds like we're banging, you know, on a dead horse at the moment just with everything with the Battle of the Bush and how... They really need to tweak things to get it wrong. But, I mean, even when it comes back to the Metro rule, I mean, like it's a rule that was made in 2018 before all of these prize money increases all across Australia that said a prize money, uh, I mean, a Metro race is defined as a prize money with $50,000 total. Now, sorry, $45,000 total. Now, High Costs won a race with an overall total of $50,000 on a Saturday. It was the least amount of prize money on that Saturday. It, there's just so many, I suppose, things that need to be tweaked. Yeah, I think I think um, you just put it perfectly. Really, it is, and I think it's a hard one to a hard subject to tackle because I feel like no matter what you say, someone else is always going to have you know a different opinion. I think there'll be a lot of opinions about it, and um, I think it's one of those things where um, you'd be talking to one person. Um, for for instance, if someone did win it and their horse isn't eligible or whatever, they're not going to care because that's the race they set for, that's the prize money they wanted and that's the race they won. And then you'll be talking to the other people who were, you know, aiming for that race and have a horse that can, you know, is eligible to qualify. They're going to be feeling hard done by. Um, but I do think it would be worthwhile 
possibly, yeah, someone going to racing Queensland or and pointing out some of these some of these things and seeing if there's a way that they could um, work in work in and and help us out and see if it's something that could be changed or tweaked or, or bettered. I think everyone just wants to see um, see it done fairly and and done right for the people in the bush. I think because these races are supposed supposed to showcase us um, and give us an opportunity to to showcase our horses as well and, and the hard work that goes into them. So it should be a fair playing field. So I spoke to Mark Johnson uh, yesterday afternoon. He, he he was fully aware of high cost in, in being ineligible, but he's more worried or disappointed that he's got his best horse sitting in the stable, Prince Planet, and he's unable to get a run with it in the local area because they're all Battle of the Bush heats and he hasn't had five runs. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's, it's, he goes, what do I do? Where do I go? Do I go to the way? both ends of the spectrum, isn't he? Yeah. Got, yeah. And, and then the, the other talking point, which, I mean, we could go on all day, but it's the subsequent races for our qualifiers afterwards. I mean, you win a heat, something like Tango Rain, there's nothing there's nothing suitable for him unless he wants to go and lump 65 and a half kilos at Cloncurry in another heat. I mean, that's not ideal either. So, there's... Yeah, I feel like Fully Max is another one that could possibly be in the same position. Yeah, that's right. But I think in a handicap yeah. position, he might get 62 in Barky in a couple of weeks or he's got, yeah. the, he's got the option of the wait for age at Aramac, I suppose, as well. Yeah, it, it just it all depends on what people, you know, I guess chain a uh, trainer's perspective of yeah. of what they think's fair or how much weight they want that horse to carry when they're setting it, you know, for a big race. I know sometimes weight does get to some horses. I don't think it gets to him too much, but um, it can be hard when you're trying to place them out here, I think. I suppose, and I know I've been harping on about it before, but the, every single one of these Outback showcase heats are worth $12,000, $7,800 to the winner. Mm. Now, where are your priorities, I suppose, as a racing body in terms of wanting to attract people to these heats if you've got showcase heats that are worth 7800 to a winner with a race worth $20,000 to the winner as a final when you only have to travel down the road as well? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know, it's a tough one. I suppose we could probably go on about it all day. But it, I'd just love to know, I suppose, where the contact's been made to... Uh, maybe even look at tweaking these rules and who, who they get involved. Do they get involved with clubs? Do they yeah. get involved with the, you know, the, I suppose, connections of horses and other people in the industry? It's just, yeah, very interesting to know, you know. Maybe what... if the clubs, maybe if some of the clubs came together and approached uh, approach Racing Queensland and say that, you know, if they, I think sometimes too, it's the way you go about things, you know, not necessarily chuck up a stink about it. Like you said, there's many opinions on it and it's a, it's a hard topic, but, there is a few things that could be better and tweaked if, yeah, maybe it would work best if clubs come forward and, and you know, a couple of them join together and come forward to Racing Queensland and presented a better idea in regards to, um, yeah, the, the rules and, and so forth. No doubt. We'll see you in action this weekend at Aramac, Brook. Home no. track? No. I'm, I'm not. Terrible, aren't I? I'm heading to Emerald, actually. Um I had a call up for a couple of horses that I've rode in the past that I think go all right, and um, they'll be on their home track. So I opted to go to Emerald. I'm chasing chasing a winner. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I, I have a feeling I know what stable you're talking about. And uh, not only did he train the winner of the Bangle at uh, at Corinna, <laughs> yeah. he also backed it up at Mackay with Arwanichi. So the stable's in fine, fine form. 
they are, and I think when it comes to racing on their home track, um, his horses can be uh, track specialists. So it was, yeah, it was hard to turn down the offer, to refuse the offer. So I took a leap and I thought, right, oh, well, I'll go to Emerald and um, the phone hasn't stopped ringing for Aramax. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Brookie. All the best at Emerald, mate. We'll catch you uh, next Tuesday night. Yes, thank you very much. We'll go to a break and come back with tonight's guest. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old fellow ain't got no wings. Ah, oh, yes, bit of Johnny Williamson there, old man Emu Maxi. Time for tonight's guest. It is. Uh, he's been riding in consistent form of late uh, with a winner on the weekend in the Huendon Heat of the Showcase Open. Matty Gray. Matty, how you going? Pretty good, thanks, Maxi. And what's he? How are you? Good, mate. Now, I'd. <laughs> I um, didn't even have to ask Maxie who he wanted on for a guest. He just wanted to get you on to say thanks for the ride. But um, look, uh, Jenna Perla, she was good um, on the video. She really pulled away late, strong over the 1,400 metres and a uh, very, very solid win. Yeah, it definitely was. And uh, she didn't have the easiest, like out of the whole six, she probably had the hardest run. So um, I was yeah, very, very impressed with her win. I've stroked up a good relationship with uh, the Mark Oates stable of late, uh, riding a few winners of uh, for them. Talk us through that, how that came about. And obviously, um, Mark's always got his horses nice and fit. Must be great to be on um, horses you know that are winning chance. Yeah, and uh, Mark also, uh, I think he's pretty places them pretty well too, that they all race pretty well because uh, they're in their right races, which helps as well. But uh, yeah, I just fielded a call from Julie, uh, month or two ago now or I can't remember what the first day I, I rode for him was um, but yeah and we had a bit of luck that first day and um, yeah we've just been lucky enough to keep rolling rolling with it at the moment. Now you ride a nice little horse there in Mark's stable called Strike Point uh, you won on him impressively uh, at Bar Calden last start and, and he finished off okay there at Hewenden I think he's probably a preparation away, but gee whiz, he's going to be a nice horse when he uh, he matures. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think um, just last weekend he the the favourite came around him and sort of just pushed him in, and he just like because he's still a little bit green and a prep away, he seems to just get get a bit lost when they start putting the pressure on at the six hundred. But when you really ask for him, he he doesn't at Barky as well. Like when I thought they were going to sort of make a race of it and then he kicked away like he he really does find and I, I think um I think he does have a horse there for sure now obviously you had a, a couple of other runners across the day as well uh picked up a ride um for Tanya Parry in the 800 with Farfa he won the start before but didn't fire at Huendon um no he didn't but I, I wasn't um totally disappointed with the run I just I really think the horse um probably does need like a dirty under or something got a lot further and just um he didn't he didn't miss it but he just wasn't the best away and wants a little bit further i think and uh obviously had a ride there for cowboy as well in in the benchmark 50 over the 1400 with uh dark archer uh been racing okay and uh was only beaten four and a half here by a smart one in zagatova uh yeah i really don't know what to make of the horse at the moment because I thought that, like, Denise and um, the Ballards had him for a little while and he sort of started favourite and looked like 
you know, he'd win a race and then um, Clary got him back and I, I thought I would have won on him by now and, um, yeah, he's sort of always thereabouts but we just haven't been able to just really get it right, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, racing uh, this weekend, where are you heading? Um, well, I've actually had to stay at home this weekend because I had a little curious silly that I was um, riding down here and the race is both a little bit tight. I opted to stay here, um, and now I don't even know where she's starting, but I could have went to, um, obviously went back out there for Mark, but uh, Mark's got me booked the week after for Charoom, I think it is. So, yeah, staying here at the Nengo for a curious race this week, and then Charoom the week after. Now, mate, 2020 has been a roller coaster year into 2021 for a lot of people, and not many people probably know the commitment you made last year, um, when COVID shut down, you moved into the greater Western zone and, um, you know, you, you did Mount Isa, you did Winton, you, you came out here and look, all the success you're getting now, mate, it's testament to all the hard work you put in over the last 12 months. Um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I hope so, like, because we did have to um, put in a little bit and, um, you know, obviously being away, my family got to come out for for a few months there, but other than that, sort of, I'm away from them for a little bit on weekends, but um, you know, uh, the winners and you know potential um, you know qualifying horses like you know Gento Perlo and and um, hopefully Chapelco, you know, if he comes back with you know with the form that he showed me when he won, um, you know, it does make it make it feel like the work's sort of worth it, you know. Well. Matty Gray, you're our favourite jockey anyway. <laughs> Keep punching those winners home. Uh, no, thanks for your time, mate. And uh, look, uh, the, all the credit goes to you and, and the hard work you've been putting in. We look forward to seeing you out west in the coming weeks. Uh, no, it's just a pleasure to come out, mate. And like I say, it's always, always good when, you, when you're when riding people that put them in the right races and um, and look after them because uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it before I get there. Cheers, mate. No. Yeah, he's certainly done done a lot of the hard yards, uh, Matty Gray, Maxie, and... Not, not all jokes aside, it's it's a credit to him, and you know he did pack up his family and move all the way around Queensland, and um, still making the treks out west uh, when he probably could be getting rides closer to the city. You know, a lot of people, I suppose, always refer to the the country jockey lifestyle as a bit of a gypsy lifestyle, isn't it? You know, always yep. on the move and that sort of thing. And I suppose that's just testament to it, isn't it? That the the ability to to pack up and move into an area where, um, let's face it, I suppose. It's not as enticing out here as it is is closer to South East Queensland, yeah. is it? I mean, you don't have those sort of uh, bigger lures, especially as a young family, to be able to relocate just like that. So um, full credit to Matty. He definitely deserved all that accolades that came from him for the, um, the past 12 months and obviously that magic run that he went with Belonte before he got weighted off him. We are racing heads to Wandoan this weekend. Nanango, Mount Isa, Home Hill, Emerald, Atherton. And uh, you'll be heading to Aramac to cover their uh, once-a-year meeting over there. Uh, and, uh, look, all things being equal, I think it's going to be a really good meeting with the uh, Wait for Age and also Outback Showcase heat. It is the John Dollinger Wait for Age, a great memorial race for old John Boy. Um, and I think it's, uh, go- yeah, like you said, it's going to be a terrific meeting up there in Aramac. Max, thanks, thanks for your time. We'll do it all again next week. Absolutely. Andrew Watts signing out. Greater Western Racing. Racing News Podcast, Episode 12. All the best to uh, wherever you're racing this weekend, and we'll catch you again next week. 